Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house, happy to be here. Interesting topic. Brian Matamore, I need you looking straight ahead and smiling. Brian is the instigator for this topic. There you are. I hey, pre-introduced Brian. him before anything. Hi there. Brian and I have known each other for many, many years. I'm happy to be here because this is Technology Revolution, the future of now, and I have a shout out to do to all of our listeners, viewers around the world. You have helped to catapult my show to number six ranking on Feedspot's top 70 technology podcast to listen to in 2023 in the world. So I'm allowed to crow a little bit because we worked very, very hard. And this show started way back in 2011. It was originally Coffee Break with Game Changers I created for SAP. And in 2019, I turned it over, converted it to Technology Revolution, made it much more generic and not a branded show, if you will, co-produced with my wonderful colleagues at Voice America Radio, and I have kept and grown that audience. So I'm very proud to bring you interesting tech topics. And as those of you who are listening regularly and frequently know, we're still covering something, the future of blank and AI, and today is no different. So let me start out with my intro here. So I went to ChatGPT, and by the way, people say it's not sentient, it doesn't have empathy. ChatGPT is getting a little difficult to deal with. It is not giving me what I want, and it's giving me wrong answers, but it apologizes. And I'll tell you why in just a second. So our topic today is, what is the future of business innovation and AI? Come on, innovation's a word that's been bandied about over and over and over in every language and every permutation around the world. It has to be new and fresh and innovate. Well, I wanted to know what about business innovation and AI, because that's our theme. So here's what ChatGP told me. This part is okay. The future of business innovation and AI is incredibly exciting, with new possibilities emerging, including increased use of AI-powered automation from chatbots, well, we all know about that, and virtual assistants. How many on my panel have a virtual assistant? Anybody? Brian, Gene, Duncan, Chris, anybody use a virtual assistant? Gene, looks like you do okay. Uh, And to robotic process automation, that's RPA, and autonomous vehicles, I don't drive one of those yet, Greater focus on personalized marketing messages, interesting, product recommendations, and even personalized pricing. I thought that was very intriguing. And more collaborative and decentralized innovation, including crowdsourcing innovation challenges. That to me sounds like almost a hackathon. You know, what are you going to do about this? I'm not sure. Somebody might correct me on that. As well as, of course, advancements in AI ethics and governance. Two recent innovations I thought were intriguing were a company named DeepMind, which is a Google-owned company, did research on Google's RoboCat. And a lot of you may say, oh, I already have a Roomba and it vacuums my house and does a pretty good job. Well, this RoboCat is able to solve and adapt to multiple tasks and uses different real-world robots. So if you have dirty dishes or a wet floor or you have something uh, something that needs taken care of, it won't just say, I'm a Roomba, I only vacuum. It'll say, sure, I'm RoboCat, I'll take care of it all. It might not use that voice, Brian. So, uh, you know, you've got to be prepared for somebody else's voice. <laughs> then Dentsu America's CEO, Jackie Kelly said, and this is interesting to me, and Chris, I know you're a podcaster too. Podcasters can use AI to immediately translate a podcast into every other language, including British, 
English, Duncan Roberts. Uh, <laughs> we will understand each other better by virtue of AI enabling that kind of reach. I didn't know that, and I've got to find out about that. So here's the part where we had a little bit of a problem with ChatPT. I always ask, send me some fictional movie character quotes talking about the topic, talking about innovation. And it sent me five different lists of incorrect quotes. And when I went to look up who was the actor who said that quote in that movie, it didn't exist. They didn't exist. Mm. So I went back to ChatGPT and I said, was this quote from this movie? And I got the answer. No, I apologize for the confusion. I was wrong. You were right. It doesn't exist in that movie. Then I would input it again. Chris is amazed. I would input it again. And it would say, yes, so-and-so in that movie actually said that quote. Sorry for the confusion. So it has backtracked. It took me five or six tries to get the following quotes, which I researched and I think they're all correct. So let's do some innovation quotes. Arthur, a.k.a. Vitrivius, a.k.a. the old wizard voiced by Morgan Freeman, who doesn't love him. The Lego Movie, 2014 3D animated film. Here's the quote. The future belongs to the dreamers who embrace the power of imagination. Ah, question is, does AI have imagination? We might get to that today. Second quote is from Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic Park, 1993 American sci-fi film. Here's the quote. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. That's a little bit of the ethics, morality, governance. And I have one more quote from Willy Wonka, played by wonderful Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971 film. Invention, my dear friends, is 93% perspiration, 6% electricity, 4% evaporation, <laughs> and 2% butterscotch ripple. Okay. <laughs> and what's interesting, I found out in my research is that Raoul Dahl, who wrote the original uh, Chocolate Factory story, didn't like the way they brought in David Seltzer to rewrite the play the adaptation for the movie and Dahl distanced himself from the production of the movie. He said, that's not really what I wanted. Those are the backstories you didn't really want to know, but I found them. So I want you to wave your hand and say hello when I call your name. Mr. Matamore, Brian Matamore is with us. And if you're looking him up, Brian has a Y in it instead of an I and Matamore is M-A-T-T-I-M-O-R-E. There he is. We go way back. Brian, I think I met you at a national publicity summit at least 10 years ago, yes. right? Gene, yeah. see what happens, the connection here. I met Gene at a summit too. And I said to Brian, his book, were so interesting that I invited him to be on my technology show several times. And you're back. I railroaded you into this one, Brian. You'll forgive me. And then wow. we have Christopher Bishop. I'm introducing him as Christopher, but he said we're such good friends over the years. I can call him Chris. And Brian said, I don't go anywhere without Chris Bishop. So Chris Bishop is with us as well. <laughs> and then we have, hi, we have Gene Pranger. And Gene was a guest on my Read My Lips Cool Conversations with Creative Show also on Voice America for the Empowerment Channel a few weeks ago. And I said, Gene, this topic is perfect for you because he's a business banking industry innovator, inventor, and we had to have you on. So Gene, thank you for accepting the invitation. And then we have Duncan Roberts, who was invited by Brian and Chris. And I've got to find out all about you in a few minutes. And I'm asking them for their take on the future of business innovation and AI. And I'm subtitling this, What's New Under the Sun? There's a challenge there, gentlemen. Okay, so let's go around the table. I'm giving you each approximately three minutes to tell us who you are, everything we need to know, and relate it to your passion for and your interest in why in the heck are you here today to talk about this? Brian Matamore, please unmute, and let's get your bio. You're on speaker view. Brian, go. Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, it's, it's good to see you again and be with you again. Uh, so I um, come from the world of innovation. I 
started out uh, doing ideation sessions, as they're called, which are also brainstorming sessions, of course. And I did that for many years. And I had written a book, 99% Inspiration, and 50,000 copies were out there. And so I was doing about 100 ideation sessions a year. And that was great. Um, and then I formed an innovation agency in 99, Growth Engine, with uh, the marketer of the year, Gary Fraser. And so then we did innovation projects. And so that's, and now I've written seven books. So the, the, how does this all relate to AI? And, and so the, the key is that, you know, when we had the pandemic, I had to learn to do ideation virtually, right? And, and that was a real challenge. I didn't think it would work, but it did work. Similarly, um, now that AI is there, uh, my bias and view is that uh, we need to do ideation sessions that are informed by AI. And so that's been my work really in the last six months. And we've been pioneering these models. And that's led to my a new workshop that I do is it's a, you know, AI ideation and the total innovation enterprise. And so, um, you know, it's very exciting to, to uh, find out what the limits are of, of generative AI. And to be honest, I'm surprised that it, it hasn't told me to, to go to hell <laughs> a lot of the time because I'm triggering it and prompting it in such unique and weird and wonderful ways, which I'll share with you uh, shortly. But, but that's what I'm so excited about. Brian, you have to give us one of your weird and wonderful prompts. Everybody wants to know. This is a showstopper. I hate to say that. We haven't even gotten to everybody else. Give me one example, please. Okay. So for a, uh, I was doing a session for a, a, a snack food company. Uh, it was not Mondelez, but uh, with whom we've done a lot of work for on Chips of Ionoria. It was a different company. And so the prompt was, um, here it is, create five new plant-based, healthier, handheld, baked, on-the-go breakfast snacks for kids to compete with Pop-Tarts inspired by French cuisine. <laughs> oh, that was wow. the prompt. And there were, you know, uh, 10 different factors to that. And I thought it would say, I thought that it would blow up, but it didn't. It generated some wonderful ideas from that. Didn't it? I was going to say, you got to forgive me for this. I was going to say, Brian Mattimore, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the more the, the point, Bonnie, I think for everybody listening, if you take one thing away in your prompts, the more specific, the better. Yes, absolutely. And I use something called Night Cafe Studio. I generate AI art and then I print oh. it out and embellish it and make it my own. And I use that as the basis. I have a technique I'll tell you all later. And I put in a certain number of prompts and then I have a choice, Brian, of about 20 different art styles, including neo-impressionism, abstracts, curves, a gothic uh, portrait, you name it, comic book. And I pick it and I leave the same exact words and I send it through different art styles. And it fills in all of the prompts in the style of it. And it'll say uh, 3D, and it'll say uh, street art and, and then I'll just delete all of those prompts and pick another style to see what it will give me and that's how I get different interpretations of the same exact prompt very interesting I'll my, tell you how to Bonnie, I would just say the two uh, you know when I use Dolly for my, my two new books AI assisted books the prompt I use was Norman Rockwell most often Interesting. Well, I'll show you some of what I'm looking for. Maybe I'll introduce some of my ladies on the show today of my background. Thank you, Brian. Wonderful to reconnect with you. And by the way, I'm attending another publicity summit next Tuesday night. And now I invite 30 or 40 attendees who were wow. basically authors to come on and fill uh, on my Monday night show, fill 
about four months of shows. So, and when I met you in New York, I was inviting 40 or 50 people live at the Penn Hotel. So it's times have changed, but it's all virtual now. Chris Bishop, so happy to see you again, putting you on speaker view. Since you and Brian haven't been on in so long, just talk to the whole world and tell them who you are and what you're doing and why you're excited about the topic. Gene, I have a calculation when it's your turn because people may remember you. So go ahead, Chris. <laughs> well, thank you, Bonnie. Delighted to be here. Um, I describe myself as a nonlinear multimodal careerist. So I've had eight careers so far from touring rock musician in the 70s to 15 years at IBM in a variety of roles. Uh, Jermaine, to this topic today, I joined IBM as Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov, the world chess champion, and then left 15 years later as IBM Watson crushed the reigning grand champions at Jeopardy. So sort of my tenure at IBM was bookended by an AI uh, experience. Based on these multiple careers, I do workshops at universities and in some corporate settings called How to Succeed at Jobs That Don't Exist Yet defining and refining you know how i navigated through these careers and that's where i connected with brian and brian and i do this together actually we've done this in a range of settings we did it at the texas steam summit in houston a few years ago we did it at a high school in upstate new york a couple of high schools actually so that's sort of how we came together leveraging his ideation techniques and his thousands of client interactions coming up with new products and services uh to dovetail with my views on the future of work if you will uh, currently, I'm working as a podcaster and moderator in the quantum space. I have a podcast called The Quantum Tech Pod. I just published my 52nd episode, which is an interview with the CEO of VTT, a large Finnish technology company and research firm. Uh, and I work for The Economist and Quantum.Tech. I'm going to London and Paris in September to MC quantum events for them. And uh, delighted to be here to talk about business and AI. Thank you very much. And I have a silly question for you, uh, Chris, even though this is not an interview, I think we all want to know if you were still a touring rock muse museum musician today, what kind of music would you be playing, Chris Bishop? So I still play in three different bands. I play in a band called Otis and the Hurricanes. I did a concert last Wednesday at a, a summer concert series at a big estate in New Canaan, the next town west of where I live in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. um, I have a gig this Sunday at a historical society in Western Connecticut. I also play with a group called River City Slim and the Zydeco Hogs. Oh, we do hardcore Cajun Zydeco dance music. The lead instrument are these handmade wooden button accordions that are in keys like harmonicas. Um, so I still do that. I actually played on a record last year, a friend of mine from college was making a record and I went up to Woodstock, New York and went into a really great studio and played bass on a couple of tracks for him. Wow. Well, I'm still a drummer for the past five years and I'm looking for a band to join or start. So if you ever come to Loudoun, Tennessee and you want to help me find some people, I'm mostly Motown and R&B and a little bit of B.B. King and a little bit of everybody and rock and roll and all that stuff. I got my red drummer boots and my sticks and my sparkly red <laughs> Ludwig drum set, drum cool. set with, with some really nice cymbals, some Zildjians and some others. So I'm, I'm ready to go. So you come and see me. Thank you very much, Chris. All right. Thank Gene you. Gene Pranger, you're welcome. Gene Pranger is here. He was, I say, he was a couple weeks ago on my Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. Gene, I think there might be a little crossover audience. I'm not sure, but I'm going to say there might be mm, maybe 25 people in the world who don't know who you are because the other show is popular too. So talk to those 25 people. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. Just give us your whole bio. What do you do? These gentlemen on the panel are really interested in meeting you. So tell us everything, Gene. And why are you here? What's your excitement about AI and innovation? Gene Pranger, welcome back. Well, thank you, Bonnie. And, and as always, you put together an incredible panel together and, and everybody is so expertise in, in their area of influence. Um, I am what I call an accidental technology pioneer. When I started my career almost 40 years ago, um, I had no idea that I would be here sitting with you, obviously, talking about AI and technology. When I first started out, I was at an advertising agency um, uh, called BBDO and then Camel Methune. And I ended up uh, developing the concept of healthy choice and figuring out if there was a market for that particular product by using cross-tabulation and market research and determine if there was a market size for that particular product. And if you go from the man-made models that I created way back 40 years ago to looking at how artificial intelligence is influencing and assisting and modulating much of our content development today, it's, uh, it's breathtaking. It's absolutely breathtaking. And it's also important to point out, even though I've been on this evolutionary journey in technology for such a long time, is that we're really at the infancy uh, at this stage of the game. We have no idea what impacts that this is going to have. We can, we can think about it. We can dream about it. We can create products that perhaps can address it. But yet, 20 or 30 years, I can promise you the, all the acronyms, the terminology that we'll be using will be drastically different than what we're using today. So my, my background is, is that I started a technology company 20 years ago. I developed the concept of video banking, sold my first company, NCR. Subsequently, I started another company taking video banking to the mobile handset and uh, sold that company to a venture capital firm uh, last, uh, last spring uh, to a group out of Los Angeles. For me, the business world has been creative, it's been fun, it's been interesting. Um, and every day is just filled with so many interesting challenges and also a bit of stress. Uh, but overall, it's been very, very excellent. And you mentioned the word fun. Isn't that nice? Brian, do you hear fun in your ideation work? And Chris, do you hear people saying we're having fun? Or is it, I, I don't want to get into the doom and gloom, but Brian, just a quick comment on what Gene said. Uh, you know, it's... Um, there are two sides to the brain, right? There's the sort of analytical and the judgmental side and then the creative side. And in our work, um, if people don't say I'm having fun, they're just laughing, right? <laughs> they're, you know, they're playing tennis. They're not thinking about their grip. And, and that's when I know a session is really working. Thank you. Very, very well put. Duncan, thank you, Gene. Duncan Roberts, I have not met you until a few minutes ago before we started this live show, so I'm eager to get to know you when you came. Very highly recommended. So let's hear who you are, where are you here, what's your excitement about innovation and AI. Duncan Roberts, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Incidentally, my daughter's uh, name is Bonnie, so uh, oh, we're in okay. <laughs> But yeah, so Chris, Chris, uh, um, uh, I know Chris from... Uh, attending a metaverse conference together uh, and Chris moderated a panel that I was on but um, I work for a company called Cognizant and um, it's a 350,000 strong kind of technology services and consulting company but I work for a very small uh, part of that in our research and thought leadership function um, and I focus on specifically on emerging technology 
uh, which means I've been very busy recently um, <laughs> because my job is to kind of take all these kind of uh, concepts and ideas and new technologies and make them make sense to our client base, but also internally, because, you know, you can imagine with 350,000 people, there's a lot of different ideas floating around and a lot of different conversations going on. So not only am I speaking out to a client base, I'm kind of talking, talking to our staff as well, our associates. Um, and what that looks like is, um, so my, one of my first reports was on the metaverse, which is why I was at that conference and kind of seeing what does the metaverse actually mean? Uh, you know, you ask different people what it means, you get different answer each time. So, uh, and I'm kind of noticing the same with generative AI at the moment in that there's a bit of a semantic struggle around how we talk about this. I think Gene mentioned the acronyms and the terms that we'd be using would change over time. I think uh, part of the issue now that I'm trying to grapple with is do people know what they're talking about when they talk about generative AI? So it's often conflated with AI in general. You know, people say stuff is generative AI when it's not really, it's just kind of traditional machine learning. Um, and people conflate generative AI with ChatGPT. They think that ChatGPT is generative AI. So it's my job really to kind of abstract away from all the hype all the noise and, and kind of promotional material that you get and speak to our clients and say, look, this is what it is. This is the, the background to it. This is, this is how it can help you as a business, but what are you trying to achieve with this technology and, or what are you trying to achieve as a business rather than ju not just with the technology, what are you trying to achieve with it as a business and how can these emerging technologies help you do that? So it's a, I, I, it's a really fun job. You know, I get to tinker. My, my kind of background is in consulting, but as a, in my spare time, I'm a, a hobbyist tinkerer. So I kind of build stuff. I weld, you know, solder and weld stuff. I um, teach myself to code, uh, build models on my AI models on my PC. So this is really a combination of my consulting background and my passion for technology, bringing that and trying to help people make sense of it, really. Thank you very much. Very, very nice to meet you. Uh, you don't know me, Duncan. As the New York joke goes, I don't know you and you don't know me. That's like the secondary, the corollary to the Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. We won't go there. There's one hotel room. Yeah, anyway, uh, I, I'm an early woman in tech, Duncan. I, I was uh, the opening, the kickoff speaker for the organization called Women in Big Data on March 8th, 2022 for International Women's Day. And I regaled the, I can call them girls, I'm allowed to, is <laughs> the age difference, Gene, you understand this, right? Uh, I, I uh, showed them a, a slideshow. I'm not a big fan of PowerPoint anymore, but I showed them a slideshow of what a, a mainframe computer looked like, what a key punch machine looked like, what a green bar paper cord dump looked like, what a COBOL handbook looked like, and what handwritten notes looked like when somebody calls you and says, hello, draw me a report with five columns across the top and six down the side, and this is what we're going to report on. Go and code it. And you spend the weekend writing 2,000 lines of instructions in COBOL and run, type them in on a key punch machine 
input them, have the operator run them and have it running by one o'clock on Monday afternoon with maybe one tiny typo in it. And that's what it was like when we were programmer analyst, Duncan. I was doing the whole thing. I was the analyst and the programmer and the coder and the interpreter and the person who got called at three in the morning if something didn't run, which only happened once. And I knew I just had to fix it. So there you go. (laughs) By the way, the machine was a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. And that was before, yeah, Chris, that was before Honeywell brought Xerox and turned into Honeyox. And uh, the disk drive, somebody sent me from a, I just moderated, a, a six-hour IT networking network computing conference, and somebody sent me a picture of what the disk drive looks like, and it was positioned next to a bunch of washing machines. So it was the size of a of a washing machine top load, and instead of the drum for the clothes, what what we had these were stacked up, and I had to climb up on a step stool when I was training in the computer room as an operator. Uh, it was part of the part of the class. I had to step up on a step stool holding what looked like a cake carrier with a handle and the thing was this big and it was the disc pack. And I had to insert it into the drive and then we turned the drive on and then it started spinning and reading the data. That's what data was like back in the day. We won't talk about it anymore. Thank you, Duncan, for making me feel mm, vintage. We'll just go <laughs> with that. Vintage, vintage, and say hello to Bonnie. Does she spell it B-O-N-N-I-E like I spell my she name? She does. She does. Oh, my goodness gracious. Another Bonnie in the world. Okay, Yay. there's never, never enough. Let's go to the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a fictional quote from a TV or movie character or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic, the uh, future of innovation, business innovation and AI. And they're going to explain how it does. Let's keep this under three minutes, please. Brian Matamore, W. What's the W stand for, Brian W.? William. William. William, Brian William. Okay, we'll just be Brian then. That's fine. So you've sent a quote from Michael Dorsey played by Dustin Hoffman, the movie. I have no idea what you're going to do with this, Chris. I looked at Brian. I said to him, really? Seriously? The movie is Tootsie, 1982 American satirical romantic comedy film directed by Sidney Pollack with Dustin Hoffman, Sidney Pollack, Jessica Lange, Terry Garr, whatever happened to her, Dabney Coleman, Bill Murray, Charles Durning. Oh, my goodness. Gina Gina Davis in her debut, Doris Bellack, used to be on soap operas, I remember. A talented but volatile actor whose reputation being difficult drives him to adopt a new identity as a woman to find a job. Oh, my goodness gracious. Here's the quote. Ryan, you ready? Let's see what you can do in less than three minutes. Look, look, you don't know me from Adam, but I was a better man with you as a woman than I ever was with a woman as a man. (laughs) In today's climate, I almost didn't let you use this quote, Brian, but go ahead and knock yourself out. You have to relate it to AI and innovation. So go ahead, Brian. Well, that was, of course, the end of the movie, right? Uh, After the, the unveiling of him as a man. Um, it's really, um, it's a good reflection of the fact that AI, and you've even said it already, Bonnie, can adopt different personas, right? And, and, and that is an extraordinary thing, certainly in the art world, but also in the world of uh, ChatGPT, for instance. And so I will, um, you know, sometimes trigger the ideation sessions I might be running or in the, the course I'm, I'm leading, and say, well, what would this person think of this idea, or what's their idea? And, and you know, to give you a, a real-world example, I mean, this book I just wrote is called Quotes, um, and I have quotes from different famous people. Actually, because you mentioned it, Bonnie, one of the quotes in there, 41 quotes, is from Roald Dahl, and his, those who don't believe in magic will never find it. So that was one of the quotes in the book, but then I had famous people Harry Houdini, Billy Holiday, and Gabriel you know, Marquez commenting on that particular quote. So AI had the ability 
to adopt the role and the persona and the experience and the work and give you a perspective on what that person would say. And I also, frankly, in the book, asked Roald Dahl, you know, all these people are long gone, why he said that quote. So this is an extraordinary competency of AI that we're all just beginning to understand and leverage um, to adopt these roles and uh, share information and ideas, right, on, um, on the subject that you're working on. You're the first one I have heard so far in all of these shows, Brian W. Mattimore, to say <laughs> AI has extraordinary competency. Yes. Uh, again, I, I, I'm always amazed. I keep, say, I keep expecting it to say, you know, forget it. I can't do it. What are you now, thinking? <laughs> yes. The what only thinking? thing... It I'm does. It, it is a closed database, if you will, yeah. of knowledge. Yeah. And it ended, I think, in fall of 2021. So it doesn't have access to the Internet. Chat GPT, I don't know about chat. Yeah. GPT-4, I believe, is, is current, but there's no access to current Internet. So I asked it about a friend who is a uh, he has a, a condo uh, overlooking the water in Cozumel, and he's a deep sea diver. And he writes thriller mysteries about finding treasure through the eyes of the divers, novels. And he wrote, I think, four novels. So I asked Chat GPT. His name was Paul J. Myla, M-I-L-A. I said, how many novels? What are the names of the mob? Well, it came up with six novels, and I sent it to him. He said, well, only four of those were mine, but I'm glad I wrote two other books that I didn't have to write. So it does, and it didn't know about me hosting a show, but it, it said that I hosted somebody else's show and somebody else hosted mine. So that was very, very interesting. So, But I love the extraordinary competency. Thank you. Chris Bishop, let's go to your quote. You picked a song. Of course you did. 1974 song by Nick Lowe and Brinsley Schwartz, covered in 1978 by Elvis Costello. Stello and the attractions and the title of the song is what you picked for your quote what's so funny about peace love and understanding it was originally released on the album the new favorites of Brinsley Schwartz and as a single blah 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 all kinds of things so go ahead and tell us what does this have to do with our topic what's so funny about peace love and understanding well first of all I have to start out by singing it right what's so funny about peace love and understanding so I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. Come on, applause, everybody, applause, applause. When I sing, everybody's oh my God, stop, Bonnie. But when he said, that was, that was good, that was good, Chris. Go ahead, now you can speak. <laughs> so I think of it as sort of a metaphor for people's craving for normalcy, wanting to, you know, get normalcy, get to normalcy. You know, peace, love, and understanding is kind of a desired state. And I think the meta message around business and AI is, it's always changing and normalcy is going to morph and change and evolve. And it has been for thousands of years since we were wandering around in the Pleistocene wilderness, trying to kill something bigger than us that we can eat and skin and roast in the cave. Um, so I think that's the message, right? Is this is part of a tradition of an arc of technology disrupting how we live and work. And it's been going on for, you know, as long as we've been wandering around on the planet. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I'm trying to figure out why I'm on the screen on, on uh, LinkedIn. Oh, that's me on my on my settings. I want to show you some of my AI pictures in a minute. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Gene Pranger has picked a quote for words. I like the short ones, Gene. Sometimes they're just very pithy. This is first spoken by the armorer, played by Emily Swallow, and a credo for the Mandalorian clan. The movie is, actually, it's a TV show. The Mandalorian American Space Western TV series, three seasons, 2019 to 2023, and season four is in development, but this was information I got from Wikipedia before the writer's strike. 
and before the actor strike. So we don't know anymore what we're going to get in the next couple of months, if not the next couple of years. Uh, and so here we go. It's also a song. I had to tell you that, Gene, by Royish, R-O-Y-I-S-H, Royish Good Looks for the film The Mandalorian. And here's the quote Gene has selected. This is the way. Ooh, is anybody getting chills from that one? Gene, <laughs> talk to us. Go ahead. Well, this is the perfect quote for the topic that we're addressing today. Um, I specialize in the financial services industry, and <clears throat> you cannot go to any conference without every financial institution talking about how AI will influence all embedded code uh, that they're developing today um, and all the platforms that they're utilizing. What that means is, is that it's a... It, it becomes important for business. I sit on the board of this company that we sold our previous business to, and I can promise that all the R&D money that's being spent today is on how AI can be included in all the components that will be utilized by consumers of these financial institutions and on a business-to-business -business, uh, related basis as well. And this is, this is just, it, as you begin thinking about this, I want to make sure that there is a balance here. And I think there is a balance that has to be posed. And, and this draws from the literary sense as well. If you go in and you write, uh, you ask uh, ChatGPT or any artificial engine to write something for you, in the Amazon um, algorithms today, they'll analyze your writing, whatever you submit, and they will throw out any type of artificial intelligent publications that are coming through right now. And so what the real dilemma is, and when we talk about this is the way everybody's jumping on board with it, mm -hmm. but the problem is, is that we still need to have our own voice. We still have to be able to have our own creativity. Can you imagine AI um, overtaking all aspects of our lives and we end up losing our individuality uh, as businesses or individuals uh, like you and I are completely different, Bonnie. Um, and it is incumbent upon us to be able to, to still keep a human factor in that level of connection as we move forward. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. This is the way. So many ways to take that. Which is the way and who's following which way and where are we going and where is AI taking us and how are we creating what we need from it? And how is it helping us create who we want or need to be? Very interesting. Thank you, Gene, Duncan, Roberts, and Brian. I've already put one of your predictions into the chat, so we'll do that after Duncan's quote. Duncan has picked a quote from Paranoid Android, song by English alternative rock band Radiohead, 1997. Chris is nodding. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, it's lead single from the third studio album, OK Computer, 1997. Lyrics written by Thomas York after an unpleasant experience uh Oh, in an L.A. bar. The song is more than six minutes long with four sections. It was named from Marvin the Paranoid Android in the sci-fi theories, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It made number three on the U.K. singles chart, their highest ranking song in the UK. And here is the quote, Duncan, this is a riot. Please, could you stop the noise? I'm trying to get some rest. Duncan, <laughs> it's an interesting take compared to the quotes everybody else has chosen. Go ahead, Duncan, three minutes. Tell us what does this have to do with our topic, please? So, yeah, I'm an enormous Radiohead fan, have been for a very long time, as Chris knows. Uh, and I actually used a Radiohead quote in my Metaverse uh, presentation uh, right. in San Jose, which was pragmatism, not idealism. 
uh, from the same album. But this is about this is this this has always struck me. It's the first line in the song. Please, could you stop your, the noise? I'm trying to get some rest. And there's so much noise at the moment uh, that people are trying to wade through when it comes to AI. You know, I I, I mentioned it earlier that people just need to kind of get away from being promoted this product, this product, this product. Do you want to do this? Why don't you use these products? Do you want to do this? Why don't you use these products? And people are like, well, hang on a minute. Like, <laughs> I need a break. I need to get cut through this noise and I need to understand how this applies to me. And really that's, that's as I say, that's my kind of job. But you would see on LinkedIn, on Twitter and stuff, you say, are you this kind of business? Well, you should use these products to do this and these products to do this. 90% of them will just be an API call to GPT with a, with a new front end. But, um, you know, th there's, there's this semantic struggle about understanding the difference between AI and generative AI, what all these different products are. And then there's the enormous opportunity that people are seeing and then the enormous risk that they're kind of envisaging kind of putting these products in place because nobody wants to be the first person to make an enormous mistake and end up on the front of the New York Times for doing something with generative AI or AI in general that causes some massive ethical or kind of controversial issue. So um, I think it's really important when it comes to these new technologies to cut through the noise, maybe not get some rest because we need to make sure that we advance but at least understand how these things at their core will affect us because it will affect us dramatically um, and, and people need to understand how. So that's how it relates for me. Thank you very much. Thank you all for your quotes. I want to introduce you to an unnamed character. I created her in uh, Night Cafe Studio. I'm moving over so you can see her. Cool. I printed her out with certain prompts and it was a redhead with blue eyes and big glasses on a microphone. <laughs> and I print them out on my uh, color, whatever, it's not a, not a high-end printer. I print them out on clear film that's eight and a half by 11, the kind we used to use for slide projectors for, you know, that kind of oh, film. It's washable off too. Overpread projectors, thank you very much. History yeah. there speaking. And um, I print them out and then I carefully, and you can't let them sit too long. The ink will dry in the air, I found out unfortunately i carry them on the corners out to my art studio which is the sunroom in the new house the older house i just bought in loudon tennessee and i have a piece of eight and a half i'm sorry 12 by 12 white cardstock absolutely plain and clear put it on my big desk where i i do my my art and i take this piece of film and put it position it face down and then i rub my hand over the back of it or i use a spatula and i transfer the fresh ink from the film to the cardstock and then I apply all kinds of paint, acrylic paint, and I apply watercolors. And these are fake jewels for her eyes. I gave her one eye that was a, a rectangle and one that was almost looks like a, a little diamond there. And then I add glitter to embellish her. I gave her earrings and I gave her black glittery glasses and I gave her lots of red lipstick, no surprise why. And this is one of my, and I do one a week now. And when I advertise Jean, when I promote my Read My Lips radio show, 
I have a cute little thing. I think it's cute on LinkedIn. Every Monday morning, I say, AKA Radio Red called me to tell me who's going to be on the show tonight. And this is her latest AI art generation. And this is generated through prompts originally, but this is my interpretation of her. So I just wanted to introduce her and I haven't named them yet. So there we go. Thank you for that. Let's go to quickly. We have, oh, about 16 minutes left and we got to get through one prediction from each of you. So let's keep it tight. I'm going to limit you to about two minutes. And if anybody has a comment to make on somebody else's, you've got, I think you've all got 10 fingers. One of them is the mean finger. I don't respond to that, but take one of your nice <laughs> fingers and wiggle it at me. And I will call on you if you want to make a one minute comment so that you can all practice with wiggling your fingers. Brian W. William Matamore says the following. This is prediction number three. I'll just read a little bit. The notion of a total innovation enterprise, all departments and all levels will finally be realized in both innovation and growth opportunities and process improvements. Here's the kicker. Managers can use AI to generate provocative thought prompts and creative challenges to encourage their team members to be innovative, more innovative. I'm going to stop there. Brian, why don't you add a little bit to this? Even though we're not talking specifically to an enterprise crowd today or about B2B, this is important because the idea of using AI to spark that creativity and that innovative thought applies to everybody, not just in big companies. So Brian, go with it. Two minutes, please. Yeah. And I'll give a specific way to do that for, for everybody in the audience. But, you know, we've been popularizing this notion for almost 20 years now, and I made a big deal of it in one of my book, Idea Stormers. But the notion is that People want to be creative in your organization, right? They want to give ideas. That's a big part of why they're there. It's, it's a big part of their fulfillment, frankly, the ability to contribute ideas. And of course, suggestion boxes have been one of the most dismal failures in American business, right? I mean, they've just been terribly done in part because uh, ideas are not born fully formed. They need to be built on, you know, they're uh, the, you know, no ugly babies, but they, they need to be cared for, right? feed and caring of these ideas. Um, that's one thing. And so we, um, we pioneered the notion of what we call the whiteboard technique. And the, the notion is that you can put up a whiteboard, you can put a challenge on there and have your coworkers, and you put a, a deadline on it, maybe it's seven days. Each day you check off, uh, check off one of the days. And at the end of seven days, you'll have ideas. Now, what does this have to do with AI? The connection here is that managers can use AI um, to come up with challenges that they want their, their folks to work on and inform that whiteboard with different uh, trends, ideas, as, you know, really as thought starters. And so I think the bigger notion here is that AI should really be seen as a thought partner, a brainstorming partner in the work that you do. And, and, it, and it will, because, you know, I, I've talked to hundreds of managers and I say, when you ask your coworkers for ideas, how does that work? It's terrible. They never give them ideas. But if you can write a very specific idea, how do we save cut costs, it, you know, uh, for this particular client um, in this particular region of the country, the more specific, just like AI you can be, the better ideas you'll get. And so that's a very simple technique that um, everybody in the audience can use, um, even if it's just with the family. Thank you. Very interesting. Any yeah. comments? Anybody? Do I see any wiggling? Uh, Duncan, go ahead. That finger wiggled. I like it. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I just, I just, I'm really interested in this. Like, how does it affect innovation? And you, um, people are using large language models to help them code at the moment, and it's kind of debugging and it's creating code for them. In the future, I think that you won't need to code, right? So you'll just be able to ask it to whip something up for you, and 
um, what I th the interesting thing, I'll try and make this really brief, is that that puts the focus with innovation back to ideation rather than the technical ability to deliver those ideas. So I think we're going to see more of a focus on creativity to, uh, to kind of talk about what's something that Gene mentioned, like how do you differentiate yourself in an, in an era where AI is ubiquitous? You differentiate yourself through your creativity and the ideas that you put into it that it can then whip up for you technically. So I think it's going to be a really an interesting time. Thank you, Gene. Go ahead, join us. Yeah, and I agree with that statement, Brian, as well, is, is that it should be used as an assistant. I, for example, one of the things I just wrote this book called Do Something Wonderful, and it's the Do Something Wonderful protocol that's being applied to business and personal lives. And I asked ChatGBT, giving some prompts to write me a poem, and it got me back a beautiful poem, much better, much better than I could ever do, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> but... The fact of the matter is I used it. I helped create the concept, the protocol. It had never been developed before. And I used it as a means to give me the right to express myself. And so the last stanza of this particular poem says, so let us wonder you and I embracing wonders, reaching for the sky for in this moment, as our spirits mend, something wonderful, dear friend begins. And I thought, well, that is really brilliant. Ooh, nice. And, yeah, Very it was really, nice. really brilliant. And it wasn't me. But it made me look smarter, right? And so, and I think that's the way that we have to look at our artificial intelligence is how can mm -hmm. it help us present ourselves? It can make a very average person, Gene Pranger, act brilliant every once in a while. <laughs> not not average at all, sir. So I, I don't buy that at all. But yes, it, it can. But, but even more to sound or look smarter, Gene, it just, brings out edges of creativity that might have been buried under the under our constraints or our, under our, oh, I can't do that. I can't say that. What would people say or think? And it brings that out. Brian, quickly, go I, ahead. I just had a quote. I, you know, I've thought about this. And the, the quote I came up with was, you know, the genie is out of the bottle. Um, the Aladdin is out of the bottle. And we all have to become better wishers. Mm. And, and I think that's profound and important because we need to be better wishers for what we want and how it can help us. And a wisher can translate to text prompters. I didn't pick that prediction from you, Brian, but a lot of people talk about that. Let's go on, Chris Bishop. I'm looking at a very specific prediction for you. Prediction number three, you say AI will enable manipulation of physical devices with thoughts to reinvent physical therapy strategies. This is huge, I think. Chris, go ahead. Two minutes. Talk. Yeah. So there was a segment recently on, I think it was 60 Minutes or one of those you know, news magazine shows about uh, advances being made in controlling uh, bodies, in this case, paraplegics or quadriplegics, by identifying parts of the brain uh, that could be stimulated to enable moving their body or even moving um, physical objects like uh, robotic arms. But I think the... The more important sort of message around this prediction with my amateur economist hat on, right, is that these, that AI is one of a, you know, coterie of, of um, or constellation of technologies, right? So combining it with robotics, with biomedicine, with things like uh, genomic manipulation, you know, our, I think our viewers, our watchers, our listeners should be aware that this is part of a set of technologies that are emerging they're going to be applied in new and interesting and innovative ways and that they should be thinking about ways to not just you know, focus on AI, but think about how it interoperates with all these other 
uh, technologies that are emerging. You know, how do you pay for it? Maybe crypto assets. How do you train physicians and surgeons that are doing this work? Maybe using AI, using VR, a, you know, AR, um, other technologies that are that are appearing and evolving. So that will be my takeaway from that prediction. Thank you. Very powerful. Duncan, brief. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, very briefly, I couldn't agree more, Chris. Like there's a, t- there's a tendency in, the, in publicity to kind of go, the metaverse is dead. It's all about generative AI now. This is, this is the new hype cycle. Let's focus on this. It's not about that. It's about how these technologies converge and work together to create those new experiences. That's super important. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris, for that prediction. Gene Pranger, I'm looking at prediction number one. This is interesting. Gene, coming from the banking world, this is where he's going to go with this. AI, in combination with customized avatars, will replace our financial advisors and money managers. Having a financial advisor proactively track, uh, Chris likes that, having a financial advisor proactively track and manage your assets has been an ongoing concern for households. Concepts are being tested and should be in beta format within 18 to 24 months. Gene, go ahead, two minutes, talk. Well, this is this is the concept that I think is still taking shape and form. I mean. Um, much of these AI agents, uh, AI agents can really provide good context for what we want. But l- let me just show you an example. And and for the listeners out there, you may have to get into a YouTube type of environment uh, to see this live. But I took this, I had this video done of myself. And then what it allowed this video to do using artificial intelligence is to communicate directly to the consumer anything that the consumer prompted it in any type of language. So here's a video just kind of showing what this looks like. That you enjoyed your time in Las Vegas. The weather has been cool and wonderful. Now, this wasn't me talking, it was me (laughs) as an avatar, and I could have been doing anything at that particular time. Can you see the the noise that potentially this would create in the marketplace? And there's a lot of ethical issues surrounding this as well. But the issue is, is what we're going to start seeing, in my opinion, is an amalgamation of different types of mediums beginning to come together. Artificial intelligence is just a channel for communication basically coming through, answering people's questions, but it has to take form and shape. And today it's very much in a, in a type format, any type of language that you choose to, but it's going to be a person uh, of some type, either an avatar or some type of robotic type of creature that will be delivering this news to us on an ongoing basis. And so what we're going to be seeing is the shaping and the development of these very robust personalities that will be able to talk to you, manage your finances, uh, be able to give you projections, be able to lock in interest rates when they go down, be able to resurface um, loans that are not working out and renegotiate for you. And you'll have all these tools and resources in the shape of an avatar, human-like type of character. That's going to take a lot of trust, Gene. <laughs> and what well, if you, when, have, what, when have financial institutions not been trustworthy, right? That, oh, right, of course. And what <laughs> if you say to your avatar, OMG, look what the market just did. I want to get out of these five stocks. It says, wait, Gene, everything <laughs> is going to be okay. <laughs> really. I will tell you, yeah. check back in 14.29 minutes. Chris, you had a quick comment. I want to squeeze in one of Duncan's predictions. Yeah, so but Chris, did you have a comment? Yes, yeah, so it's the robot saying, step away from the checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think, I mean, Gene's comment made me think, you know, we need to 
you know, alert our viewers to the fact that the, the perspective is AI is a constellation of stuff. It's everything from Siri and Google Home to IBM Watson. Yep. And everything in between, right? So there, there's lots of ways to embrace it, to explore it, to take advantage of it. Certainly threats uh, and risks exist, but I mean, I think it's not one thing. It's like saying, so what's happening in biology? Yep, well, it's absolutely. Like, it's happening a big in medicine. topic, big so topic. Keep, you know, you. viewers, keep that in mind. It's a, it's a range of, and opportunities, really. Opportun I like fun and opportunities and exciting and learning and growing. And let's go to Duncan's prediction number one. We just have time for this. Duncan says generative AI, there's that word again, Duncan, will become the single point of interaction between businesses and their customers and their employees. It will form a wrapper around businesses, processes, and knowledge will be the way in which we join disparate or disparate, you might say, bits of information together. Two minutes, Duncan, that's all we've got. Go ahead. Okay, quickly. So Google I, at their I.O. conference earlier on this year uh, demonstrated generative search where you would type in something and it would generate, based on their AI, a, a, a response. And all the blue links that we traditionally associate with Google were kind of pushed to the bottom. And the rounding response to that was, well, why would I ever need to leave Google? Because you can imagine them putting a retail experience into that, a communications experience. Now that has a lot of implications for the kind of the centralization of the internet, but if you pick that up and apply that to enterprises, I spent like kind of my formative career as a business analyst building like processes and web front ends. And people just said, I just want to do my job. I don't want to have to go into this system, that system, this system, that system, talk to this person. I just want to do my job, Duncan. And this is what that, that enables to do. And it's important what Chris says about it being a constellation of stuff. So you have all this stuff bubbling under the surface, but that surface, that point of interaction is a generative AI assistant. And you, you could, that you can work with conversationally. And that's what enables that innovation, that change in organizational structures, that democratization of decision-making is that easy single point of entry for employees to their business systems and knowledge, but also your customers have that same kind of point to interact with your businesses. So it's about accessibility to all that complexity that's underneath, I think is the really important thing. And I think we're a way off that, to be mm -hmm. perfectly frank, but I think that's where we're headed. Two comments, if only, and this is the way. Brian, 30 seconds, go real fast. Yeah, I'm just uh, quickly, you know, in our work in innovation work, it's the intersection between disciplines where the big opportunities are, if the white space. So that's an important in your prompts to use more than one uh, theme that you're prompting, number one. And then finally, I would say I heard a Microsoft executive talk the other day, and he said, you know, in 10 years, there are going to be two kinds of businesses, uh, those that use AI and those that are out of business. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. we've been saying that about the broad topic of innovation for years haven't we and we've been saying that about automation and we've been saying that about all kinds of business. so now now it's ai i know we're doing a part two in a couple months and we'll talk about that after the show i am so impressed with all four of you together as a panel and each of you individually the brilliance I'm just going to say it of each of you, how, what you brought to the panel today. I appreciate you and I thank you for sharing. And I have a little quick homework assignment for you and shout out to Andrew, my engineer at Voice America. Okay. I want you to all raise your second finger and I want you to wag it. We're all going to say on the count of three, no, no, no. Duncan, put your hand up. I'm going to lead you. People say, this is my closing. People say the future is already here and our 
comment back, you're going to say no, 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 in the count of three. One, two, three. No, no, no. That's because that was yesterday's future or, whoops, that was the future exactly 0.2 seconds ago when I finished that sentence. The future isn't here yet. And we're all here to try and make it a much, much better one. Everybody wave. Bonnie D signing off. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh